There's some folks, it seems, that uh, never have a sleepless night. I'm not one of them, especially when I'm in the midst of a trying time or a complex situation. Uh, sleep escapes me in those moments and probably does for a lot of you as well. Fortunately, uh, I've never walked through that more than three or four nights in a row. I know some people who wrestled with this issue almost as a weekly struggle for for months and years even. And I really feel for them when when they have ongoing times of sleeplessness or insomnia. As we move into the next section of Psalm 119, those who know about sleepless nights will find the that the writer of this Psalms relates. Maybe as we listen to what's on his heart, we'll get some insight regarding how to redeem those sleepless nights. So let's look together. To, uh, today we're going to look at Psalms 119, uh, still in that chapter, but starting with verse 145 and work, work our way down through 142 in a lesson that I've uh, titled Sleepless Nights. Beginning with verse 145, the psalmist writes, I call with all my heart, answer me, O Lord, and I will obey your de decrees. It's interesting, the, the words I call, actually it's one Hebrew word, and usually it's translated, it means uh, something along this lines. It means some the reading of something. Uh, it also sometimes is translated calling to someone. So it seems like the psalmist is is indicating and saying that one of the things that he has found to be beneficial in the midst of a hard time, a struggle, is reading God's Word, uh, which obviously has been hit an ongoing emphasis in this chapter. He he keeps going back to that over and over again how important the Word of God has become to him uh, for in his life in the midst of his struggles, especially. There's where he goes when he's searching for answers. But more than that, he goes there to search for God, whom he is needing in the midst of his heartache, in the midst of some very trying and difficult circumstances, as we've talked about before. And he's committing, based on the last part of the verse, to responding to what God tells him, even before he knows what that is which tells us a, a lot about his heart. He's not saying, hey, God, give me your ideas, your input, and then I'll weigh it over and decide what direction I'm going to go. No, he says, I need your help, God. Show me what to do, and I will do it. He continues in verse 146, I call out to you, save me, and I will keep your statutes. Again, I call or I cry, as it's translated in some versions, is the same Hebrew word that we saw in uh, verse 145. So again, it could refer to the reading of God's word to find answers, to find direction, using what God's word says to direct the cries of his heart, of our hearts. What's the difference? Well, it's different, it's different than just saying, God, do something. I'm not saying there isn't sometimes in the spur of a moment a legitimate prayer, a legitimate reason for crying that way, to pray to God that way. God do something. But it seems that the author of this chapter is saying, I don't want to cry out in ignorance. I want to cry out in knowledge. 
I, I, in the midst of these difficult circumstances, I'm going to go to you, go to your word for direction, even direction regarding how to pray to you in the middle of this situation. And I've had people sit before me at times telling me that they, they've been praying about a situation, about something, praying for a certain response from God. And as they'll tell me what they're hoping God's response will be, I know, according to his word, that's not going to be his will. That will not be his response. So they can pray, they can cry, they can threaten, they can do whatever they want to do to try to get God to respond in that way. But he's not going to because it doesn't line up with his word or his will. I've had people say, well, I know God wants me to be happy. And I'll say, no, you, you're wrong about that. God never said he wanted you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. He wants to bless you. Sometimes what you think will make you happy will have the opposite impact as those things. And, and so he's not going to he's not going to answer that prayer if that's what you're praying for. It won't work. God God never answers prayers or acts in a way that is contrary to his character. So the author is saying, I'm crying out to God, but I'm making certain that what I'm asking for lines up with what I know his word says is right. Look at the next verse, verse 147. I will rise before dawn and cry for help. I put my hope in your word. Uh, Strong's analytical lexicon says that I rise, I will rise, it really is, which is again one Hebrew word, but what it actually is generally referring to is meeting someone for help. So what is happening to him is, is causing him to rise up even when it's still dark and going to meet with God for help. And I think we're going to see in the next verse, I don't think he's saying, I'm getting up early for devotions. Uh, not that that's a bad thing to do, for sure. I think it's a really good, great habit to get into. But the indication is that sleep is escaping him. And so when he wakes up, it's still dark. Because of what he's walking through, he, he can't go back to sleep. So he's so he makes a decision in that moment. Since I'm awake, I'm going to meet with my Lord. I'm going to cry to him for help. Actually, the word translated cry here is a different word than we saw earlier in the first two verses of this section. This Hebrew word actually means to cry out. There's anguish. Uh, there's a feeling of helplessness. In this cry out, or, or, or I'm going to cry to the to the Lord. But he goes on to say, I'm, I'm going to look to your word. I'm crying out. I feel helpless, but I'm going to look to your word to restore my hope. Which seems to be what the last part of the verse says. But we see the indication and the struggle and the sleeplessness in, in the next verse. Verse 148, he says, my eyes... Stay open to the watches of the night. Simply saying, I can't sleep. My situation seems so precarious, and, and my soul is so troubled by what I'm going through that I simply cannot sleep. So what does he do with his sleeplessness? Does he lay there tossing and turning, somehow trying to force sleep to come? I can't, I can't tell you how, how often that's been my response to sleeplessness. You know, cover my head with a pillow, try to push out any sounds or any thoughts that are going on, change positions, 
over and over, thinking maybe if I lay this way, I'll be able to fall asleep, trying to force my mind to shut off and shut down. That's how I've responded on many occasions. And I got to tell you, it really doesn't work. Uh, here's how he responds to sleeplessness. Look at the second part of verse 48. That I may meditate on your promises. A couple of things strike me about what he says here. First, he doesn't take his sleeplessness as just happenstance, just something that happens. He seems to be taking it as something that is happening at the direction of God, I think is the indication. Because he says his sleeplessness has come that, that I may meditate on your promises. God, you've allowed this to happen for a purpose. So I have more time to dig into and to think about you and your word and the promise of your word. And I think as, as we he moves on into verse 149, he's relating to us what it is that he has learned during this time with God, that in that middle of the night and that sleeplessness, what he's been reminded of. Because he says, hear my voice in accordance with your love. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your laws. As he dug into God's word in the nighttime hours, in the midst of sleeplessness, he says he was reminded of God's love. Because of that love, God always listens to our cries. He was reminded of God's protection, his perseverance. He was reminded that he was going to be okay, despite of how scary things were looking at the moment. I don't know about you, but I found that there is dread in the darkness. Sometimes things seem so hopeless in the midst of the night. So scary. Sometimes even evil. But this author has discovered that the way to rectify that is, in reality, is to go to God, to go to his word. Look at, uh, in, in reality, as we look at verse 150, nothing about his circumstance has changed during those nighttime hours. When he wakes up in the morning, things are still the same. The same trying situation, the same evil men out to get him. Uh, look at it, what he says, verse 150. Those who devise wicked schemes are near. They're still out there. They're still here. And they're far from your law. They're not going to obey you, God. I know that they're not. I, I know it's worthless for me to hope that they might want to do what pleases you. But what has changed about his circumstances is his perspective. There's still wicked men out there. They still don't care about God or his word. They are still bent on doing him harm. But now that he spent the night with God, he is no longer afraid of them. His circumstances have not changed, but his outlook has. I love what I heard one uh, Christian comedian say a couple of years ago. She said, uh, you know, Christians, Christians will sometimes use the words under the circumstances to excuse why they're worried or what they're doing. Under the circumstances, of course I'm worried. She said her response is, you shouldn't be under the circumstances. Get out of there. <laughs> I love that. Uh, what are you doing under the circumstances? You have a God who loves you and is going to preserve you. Uh, get out from under those circumstances. Look at the last two verses. Verses 151 and 152. During, during those nighttime hours of crying out, 
to God, waiting through his word. Here's what he's been reminded of. God, you are near, O Lord, and all your commands are true. Long ago, I learned from you, your statutes, that you established them to last forever. He was reminded that God is always there. He never abandons his children. He was reminded that when he what he feels may not be true. What his emotions that are telling him could be uh, false. What things look like on the surface might be deceiving. But God's word is always true. He was reminded that in spite of how things might appear, in spite of the fact that circumstances change from day to day, minute to minute sometimes, God's word never changes. It can always be trusted forever. Well, folks, uh, this Sunday, we're going to start meeting together at the at True North Church on site. And for you who feel comfortable doing so and are healthy, we would love to have you be a part of that. We do need you to contact the church office or get on the website and, and uh, register so we make sure that we uh, uh, live up to the requirements right now for social distancing. And because we're starting back up, starting next week, we'll go back to having the men's study here on site as well. So this will be my last time of putting this study out there via this format. Although I will say I've enjoyed this opportunity to walk through this each week with all of you who are listening. Thanks for jumping on here, listening to this. I hope that the psalmist's words have brought you comfort uh, during a <coughs> excuse me trying time. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for your word. Thanks for your insight into our heart, into our needs, into our circumstances. Thank you for always being there for us. And Lord, for this reminder in, in today's uh, section of Psalm 119, that even in those sleepless nights, those dark periods where tossing and turning has become part of, of our environment because of what we're walking through, we can use those times as a time to go to you, to cry out to you, to spend time with you and in your word. And, and if we'll do that, just like with the psalmist, what happened to him, you will grab hold of our hearts. And our circumstances may not change. The morning hours, the morning daylight may, may be exactly the same situation we left the, when we went to sleep the night before. But through your word and before that, through that reminder of your love and your care of us, our, our attitude will change. The fear can go away and we can be reminded that we trust you. And I pray that is what we will do. Thank you, Father, for your love for us, for allowing us to be a part of your family, for knowing that you will take care of us. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.